Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll start that one again. <laughs> hey folks, and welcome to the next episode of The Prestige, a podcast by film lovers for film lovers. Each episode we take a movie, we discuss it, we review it, and talk about some of the ideas and themes that it throws up. And we always end our show with what else we we always end our show with recommendations, other movies, or TV shows, or any kind of media that we uh are inspired to talk about after this week's movie. But we always start our show with what else you've been watching. So Sam, my dedicated and long-standing co-host, what else have you been watching? Slash reading, slash enjoying. It's a good thing you mentioned reading there, actually. I've just I have just started reading a very good book. And I think instead of talking about the guff that I've been watching on TV, um, I should mention that. Um, it's a book called Washington Black. Um, and it's about, um, very simply speaking, it's about um, a slave, a black slave, and his white, quote unquote, owner, master, um, in sort of early nineteenth century sugar plantation Barbados. Um, and it seems, I don't know if I've only read the first 20 pages or so, it's by Essie Duggan, who is, I think, an American author. Uh, was nominated for the Man Booker last year, and I picked it up, and I'm looking forward. Things are sort of winding down at work. It's exam time, so um, it, more stressful for students, less stressful for me. So I'm taking the time to get back into reading. So that's my recommendation this week, is a thoroughly good book by Essie Duggan called Washington Black. Oh, very nice, very nice, very nice. I have uh, not been reading, obviously. I don't read books. Uh, they're for nerds. <laughs> obviously, I am reading. But I'm gonna, I am going to recommend a, um, a, TV, a movie this week. Um, I, as I've discussed previously, spent some time in New Zealand on my travels and one thing i always sort of gelled with over there is the the kiwi sense of humor um and those kind of the kiwi comedy movies a lot of them don't break out of of the new zealand bubble um but i've always really enjoyed them and so this week i sat down and watched the 2018 movie mega time squad which is a new zealand time travel gangster comedy which is as madcap and as weird as it sounds, but it's absolutely hilarious. If you, if you like the Kiwi humour, if you like Flight of the Concords, and you like what we do in the shadows, and you like Taika Waititi, and that kind of thing, if you like that sort of stuff, this is like right in your wheelhouse. Um, if you don't, then it's not for you. But it, if, like me, if that's your humour, this is a brilliant entry into it. The main character... He has that the right mix. It's like, it's like, there's an, a trope, I suppose, of uh, the Kiwi idiot um, that you see in a lot of these movies. The man who sort of stumbles into situations. And he's very much that, but he's very watchable. The effects and the conceit is brilliant. I won't go into any more than that because there's a lot of spoilers very early on in that movie. Um, but 
it would be a hearty recommendation for me to, if you get a chance, you want something that lies a bit funnier, Mega Time Squad is, is, is a brilliant one. I must admit, I've never heard of it. Most haven't, but uh, that's that's what I'm here for. I'm here to, to shed light on the uh, the brilliant movies that are otherwise overlooked. So we are concluding our martial arts um, mini-season this week with um, one of my favourite films is the 2011 film The Raid The Raid is an Indonesian martial arts film. Um, it's populated by um, essentially Indonesian actors in Indonesia. Um, it's strangely um, directed by a Welshman, Gareth Evans, um, who has directed a couple of um, similar Indonesian action action thrillers. Um, and it has fight choreography led by the principals in kind of a Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan fashion. Um, so led by Iqua Wace, who plays the lead, and also Jan Ruyen, who is the, um, the primary antagonist, I suppose. <laughs> it's about a police squad who are tasked with undermining a criminal gang who have taken possession of a an office block and they fight their way into the office block and then things go badly wrong and it's about the fallout of that and it's also about the central relationships between the one of the policemen and one of the henchmen who are connected in a way that's unforeseen at the start of the film. So, Rob, your thoughts? So I've got a confession to make here. Um, and it's one Sam may not like. First time I saw The Raid, right. which was probably a good five years ago, I didn't like it. It's not I didn't like it. I didn't like it a bit harsh. It was fine. Like, it just didn't do anything for me. I just didn't connect with it at all. I just didn't kind of get into it. I thought it was, it was, it was a fine action movie, but I didn't understand all of the hype present. Um, it just, just didn't, didn't gel with me and people went on and on about it and Sam who is not an action movie fan shall we say like you know, he, if I said to Sam what, what Sam's movie choices it isn't going to be an incredibly violent and gory Indonesian action movie it's, it, it's out of the wheelhouse there and I thought well that, that, that kind of picked me up a little bit and then one of the reasons why we looked at doing this martial arts series was so Sam could about the raid. It was a way for us to kind of talk about the raid. And it's not that I've been looking forward to it, but I've been like, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to, you know, give Sam the response he wants to me. But this time round, I bloody loved it. And I don't know whether 
I've changed. Obviously, we're coming off the back now of, what, four or five months of looking at martial arts movies. And I'm wondering if that's given me a diff- different interpretation of the movie. Or maybe the last time I didn't, I wasn't watching it enough, you know, I didn't connect with it. But this time, I really bought into it in a way I didn't previously. So it ended well, I bear with me, it ended well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think like, for me, everything Sam says there is right. It is the action in this movie, be it martial arts, be it gunfights, be it machetes, be it whatever, is top notch. The, the martial arts in this film is, is amazing. The atmosphere it builds is also like it's almost perfect especially the first 20 minutes half an hour um of this kind of ramping up of tension when it's incredibly clear it's gonna go wrong like the whole premise of the movies is gonna go wrong you know that these these recruits are gonna go in it's gonna go badly wrong and it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and genuinely you're on the edge of your seat and then it can explode into violence and doesn't really stop but I really, really liked it in a way I wasn't betting to, and I was kind of scared I wouldn't. So yeah, I, 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 I would say that I went into it trepidatious, but I came out joyous. Good. <laughs> I this is this is going to be a, a bit surprising. Actually, it's going to be surprising to you. Um, I have a little bit gone the other way. Ooh. Um, and. And I, th- I think this is interesting. I think this is based as yours was on sort of the past couple of months of watching martial arts films, um, and I would say actually, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying, I'm by no means saying I don't like this film. Now I, I still love this film, but I remember seeing it. And thinking, this is head and shoulders the best film I've ever seen. Mm. And I absolutely loved it. And and I still really like this film. I would still say this is one of my top ten favourite films. But it, it was sort of head and shoulders number one, and now it's it's maybe number five. Yes. And I wonder, I wonder whether it's anything to do with uh, and watching martial arts films. I also wonder um, whether it's kind of like the way you feel about um, Lost in Translation. Yes. That this this film for me is. I, mean, I was a fairly angry man in my late twenties, and this film. So coming out seven or eight years ago really spoke to me and I really engaged with it then in a way that I'm not sure it would if it came out now. Mm. And I wonder whether, I mean, going back to it, I still, I still really enjoy this film. It's still something so good, like you say, about the, the, the tension builds at the beginning and the choreography of the fight scenes and everything is so slick and polished and it, it's just a great film. Mm. But I I wonder whether my sort of complete head over heels love for it the first time was to do with this sort of person I was when I saw this film in 2012, just like it was the sort of person you were when you saw Lost in Translation in 2004. Yeah, no, I... I... 
I, I completely agree. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's because when I saw this movie, say six, seven years ago, I, I wasn't in a angry place. I was in a very chilled out, relaxed, happy place. And maybe that's why I never connected to it like you did. It, it, for me, it was always kind of a good action movie. That was it. That's very interesting. And I, 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 I would probably agree with your theory there that, you know, sort of a lot of the time when we talk about movies, it's not the movies that changes us. Um, and I remember, like, uh, this is a behind the scenes, guys. I don't remember this. If I, either yourself or our friend Richard, I went to see East is East um, at the cinema when we were teenagers. I think you were with me. It could have been Rich. Well, I think, yeah, I think, I think it was me because I remember this. And the, the projection was off in the movie and I hated the movie. I hated the movie. just really didn't like it at all. And I've never gone back. And it's always one of the movies that kind of sits in my mind thinking it's entirely possible that the film wasn't bad. It's entirely possible that I was the wrong person that's the wrong age to see it. Yeah, you see, I remember Finney exactly as you did. It was just a bad experience and we thought the film was a bit rubbish and and yet I went back to it because I saw it as part of my studies. I saw it as a sort of post-colonial mm. artefact rather than um, just a, a straightforward film as we saw it when we were sort of in our teens. And I loved it. So yeah, I think there really is something to that because there was that that experience where I, I remember, well, the more than two, I think Rich might have been there as well, but it was so many of us just thought, oh, this is rubbish. Mm. We'll write this off as, as a bad film. But it was really good. As you say, there's certainly a, a post-colonial element to it because we were essentially a group of three or four white middle-class English kids mm. watching a movie which is essentially speaking about the the Indian immigrant immigrant experience. And it's like maybe none of us were of the age or of maturity to actually get any of the of it. We just kind of had a movie we didn't connect with. And at that point in our lives, overwhelmingly, media was for us. Mm. You know, straight white yeah. men. Well, that's that's what media is made for, at least at that time, you know. And as you know, I, I feel a real need now to go back, go back and uh, reassess that movie um, and give it another chance. Because I, don't think, I think you're right. I think, I think as we say, like it's us that's changed. Um, and the movies don't. Back to the right. No, I mean, <laughs> uh, no, I think that's, I mean, I just think that's, that's really interesting. The, the, the sort of we both kind of kind of come from other directions and kind of met in the middle somehow of this film. Yeah. Um, I do think that now, for me personally, having seen this entire history of martial arts movies that we've gone through in the last ten episodes, I see its place and you see its growth. Like you, like you can draw a line up and down as it is, even from the early 1920s, 1920s um, samurai movies, all the way through to obviously visually entirely different, martial arts entirely different, plots entirely different. But you've still got the idea of good men and evil men. You still have this idea of martial arts as a leveling tool between good men and evil men. Um, and the idea of justice and heroes in a way that that you can see this the through line through every movie we've watched mm. end to end yeah. um and i do like that and i think it's yeah i feel like i feel like i feel like a better film viewer but i do i feel like i'm coming into this with a more informed view than i would have back in 2012 i do feel there's there's something very um Rama's fights are very indebted to those that come before him. They 
feels like there's something very Jackie Chan like about the way mm-hmm. that he fights. And I think this might there's something in that video that I posted a link to um, when we did Drunken Master that um, someone was talking about Jackie Chan's style of directing that he always starts from the position of an underdog, and mm-hmm. this is this is that turn up to eleven. This is how can we make Rama the underdog in every conceivable way? Like this is this is what this whole film is doing. It's is making him the ultimate underdog. And I think it works because, uh, especially in, in that tension building scene, they do so well. Like they deal with the guard outside so quietly and efficiently, and they, they are so efficient. And it is the especially the opening of them getting into the building. It's such a show of like militaristic police force that when the movie then takes them down from there to the absolute bottom, it you show you've seen how far they've fallen. And the film, like, not only are they underdogs, but the film is actually taking them from being underdogs and pushing them down further. Um, and they lose all of their support and they lose all of this and they are outnumbered and outgunned and clearly outmatched. You know, the the the, the scene in which um Jacker um, ends up, you know, and their guns and they fist fight and, and he's losing, his neck snapped. And then later on, the same bad guy has another fight. You're like, we already know how much better this guy is. This guy took down the leader of the division as now up against one of the rookies. And the film sets that power balance so well. And I think Jackie Chan is a great touchstone because Jackie Chan, there's sort of, what Jackie Chan played his for laughs in many ways this does the same thing you see all the hits you see all the cuts you see all the physical connections and they use the environment they do all the same sort of tricks and tips that jackie chan did in his movies but they're played straight they're played for visceral physical effects rather than visceral than comedic effects and comedic effect and i think that really works it gives it that especially the action scenes this real i know visceral is the word i'm looking for visceral effect on the, on the viewer and this little power because you do feel like these people are genuinely getting punched in the face you know they're genuinely getting their neck snapped and they're genuinely getting themselves their asses whooped um, and so when they triumph it's all the better even if that triumph is basically just it's it just you know it's, it's a what the word for it is but like they, they survive but at the huge costs and i wanted to Actually, on that point of it being really visceral and raw, I was the the week that, that we just been been watching this. I was also listening to an interview with um, Marlon James, the author. Marlon James, an interview with Adam Buxton on his podcast, and Marlon James was talking about among many other things. He was talking about the fact that. Action films are often very unrealistic because mm. there's often there's lots of death, but there's no suffering. Like, and and the thing about about real life is that violence is traumatic and it lasts. And that's what I felt in this film. That's why this film stands out for me. That is that. I mean, you have that when the uh, when the policeman gets shot right at the beginning and. The sniper's about to finish me off, and the other one says, "No, let him scream." Or mm. when when you have um, Andy's hand, the knife in Andy's hand, and you have a re- real real focus on his in on his tormentor at, at that point. 
and there's something about this film that it, that is about the the trauma of pain rather than just the the slick sort of I suppose it, no consequences violence of of Hollywood mm. films. No, I do get having watched the Marvel movies, which I'm still watching my way through all the MCU movies. Like there is there is a a cleanness to the violence in those movies, especially the later ones. Um, you know, it, 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 people don't tend to die in vicious manners. They get beaten, certainly, but almost all the deaths are kind of off-screen or implied, that sort of stuff. Whereas this, the deaths are... It's always, almost in many ways more of a horror movie. Um, certain scenes of it. Like, it does that same feeling of just being, like quite horrific in the way it treats its its victims and there is an element of slash and there's an element of kind of gore to it mm. yeah I, I mean, just want to while talking about sort of it, its place in that, I did enjoy the fact that we watched District 13 which another high, high rise you know action movie people moving around and fighting their way through well not fighting but running their way through um, tower blocks like the, the link from that to this I enjoyed that kind of uh very different films, but I get that kind of replication of the idea. That that idea about um, so the impact that this film has. The one one thing that I noticed was just when when um, the policeman whose name I don't remember who gets gets injured and Rama has to store him in a room. Um, and he gets his ear blown off, or his ear is damaged in some way. And at that moment, you have a flip in the sound. There's sort of mm. a, a flip between, it's not non-diegetic sound at that point, but it's sort of focusing on his experience, the pain of that. And there's, like you say, in the, in the Marvel movies, the, the sort of impact is lost on the audience, really, because... There, we we're not involved in that. You're right. There's something sort of very clean about the deaths, which even if they're not off screen and not really having an impact on us as viewers. So I really like the way that that you could actually feel his pain. And that there is something. I mean, if you've got the sound turned up, there is something painful about the the feedback of that experience. That that noise when when his ear gets blown off. Mm, yeah, like a, like a tinnitus feel of like, mm. which you, like you, you do feel it. Um, the guy's name is is Bowo, I believe it is, or Bowo. Um, but yeah, I mean that. I mean that's, and I think the film helps in kind of that kind of in the claustrophobia of the movie, because all the corridors are obviously like there's very few windows. In a lot of scenes they're either in basements or closed rooms or corridors or internal like stairs and that stuff and like there's a real sense of claustrophobia and that the whereas the obviously in the, in, in the text you've got the kind of closing in feeling of of, of the enemies closing in on the uh, police but here like, the, the film mimics that in the way it frames things and the rooms get smaller and the camera gets closer and everything gets smaller and smaller and smaller and you get this real feeling of foreboding claustrophobia throughout the movie which is why the end, when they kind of step outside again, is this weird kind of like it feels like stepping outside a building and like your eyes adjusting to the light, and you do get that feeling of like whoa, like suddenly you're back out in the real world and the world's carrying on. It's just like everything you've experienced and the world's just carrying on. Mm. Yeah, and there's 
that that experience, everything closing in on you, it's sort of heightened by the way it's filmed. There is something really skillful that way that the cameras move, and you know I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that claustrophobia of not being able to see out, but it's sort of heightened by the fact the cameras sort of swing around bodies and. And mm. after after fight scenes, you have sort of camera panning around the room, and there's there's all sorts of movement there. It does. I mean, it, it does kind of build in that kind of way that I think like adds to that tension. Because the movie does. Like, it is. I think we talked about this previously. We talked about Mad Max, and I, I, I would draw a, a comparison between the two Mad Maxes, maybe Mad Max and this, in that feeling of just like it starts and it just does not stop. Even the moments where there's a moment of kind of release and they aren't fighting, that that, that the high energy acting is just replaced with high energy tension. Even the scenes yes. of when they're hiding in the walls from the bad guys with with the doctor, like that's still so tense. Um, yes. And every, every every single scene, there, there isn't a moment of like of pausing. The literally only one I kind of think is that when he meets up with his brother and there's like a, a brief scene in which they kind of catch up. But apart from that, it's literally go, 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 go. And that makes it to such a, a thrill ride to watch as a movie. So it's, it is just literally a ride you get on and you see to the end. Mm. Yeah. And that, that scene with the hiding in the wall is just... It just stays with you. And the fact mm. that they are, they are that close, he's that close. And also how, how painful it is because he's drawn blood. And yet, you realise almost at the same time that he does that if he pulls his machete out of the wall and he sees blood, then the game's up. So he has yep. to take the blood off, even though he's like every fibre of his being is screaming in pain at that point. Like the last thing he wants to do is is wipe a machete down. But it, I mean, and that also that was that, that moment speaks so much to. The character, I think that's often why I do like them because it does speak to the characters of the um, actors as well. Because in that scene, you've got the the bad guy who's so enraged, he'll slam it into the wall and just walk away. Like he, he isn't careful or kind, he's just like angry. Whereas mm. Rama is like, he's in a lot of pain, but he has that kind of element of control that means he can deal with that pain and still think about the fact that there's blood in it. And he has to do this very quietly while looking after his colleague. He has that control. So even in like a, a high tension moment like that which is being played for sort of say tension and building of that kind of uncomfortableness in the audience is still building on character well rob do you have any suggestions for us based on this week's film the last in our martial arts series i i do have uh some recommendations one is well they're both, they're both very similar um so the first one i recommend is a film from last year 2018 um which stars both Joe Taslim and Ika Uas from um, Uis, Uas from the raid, um, and they pop up in a movie called The Night Comes for Us, which is another Indonesian action thriller, uh, not from Gareth Evans. This one is a bit more fantastical, a bit more kind of turned up to eleven in many ways, um, but it is that same kind of thing of over the top action, very visceral fight scenes, very violent movie. Um, it has a few more jokes and laughs in it, shall we say, than um, than the uh, the raid. But it has brilliant performances from them and the supporting actors, and the fight scenes are at the same kind of level. I think I recommended it to you a while back, um, and some recommend it to the wider world now. 
Um, I believe it's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it is on Netflix. Um, that's where I watched it. So it's very easy to pick up. And it is, if you if you do enjoy The Ray, this is very much in that wheelhouse. My second film is a film from 2012. So just a year after The Raid. Um, and this is a Western movie. And it is a Western, as in from the West, not a not cowboys and Indians. Um, it is Dread, which is the second filming adaptation of Judge Dredd. The first one being a very different movie. This is a very similar move in many ways. Dredd and his young rookie get caught in a tower block owned by a drug lord and have to fight their way up and out of this tower block to survive. It has a very different feel with it, with obviously Dredd being a very different character to the policeman in the raid. But it has that same kind of claustrophobia, that same kind of feeling of going through levels and dealing with this bad guy than that bad guy. And the same kind of tension and action, the high energiness that we get in the raid is there in dread as well and i just think it's a brilliant brilliant film and it's a it's a crying shame that we've never managed to get a sequel to it what about you sam what are yours right i have one uh, fairly mainstream recommendation um and it's just i mean less that i want to link to the film itself and more i just want to talk about the actor involved um it's just chance to mention Jan Ruyen again. It is utterly brilliant. And I love the way that he... Um, this stays with me, actually. The way he um, lets Andy out of his chains, specifically so that he can take on both brothers at once, because he thinks he's better than both of them. And he very nearly is. Like He, he almost overcomes them. Um, so I just wanted to point out his his performance again, and he was a lesser part in the first of the new Star Wars films, Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. So I will um, link to that as a chance to talk about Jan Ryu again. My second recommendation is um, more thematic. Um, and this, I, I really enjoyed this film. I saw it around the same time I saw The Raid, actually, although it's from um, a good few years before The Raid. Um, and it's the the Korean original, I should say, rather than the terrible American remake of Old Boy. Mm. Um, and it's just... I mean... I'm not going to say anything about it for fear of spoilers. It's just just make some time to go and watch it. Um, there is um, one scene in particular with someone fighting his way down a corridor full of um, weapon-wielding maniacs that is very like the raid. It's very like some of Bram's scenes, Bram's fight scenes in the raid. But the whole of Old Boy is just brilliant and twisted and terrible and awful and well worth watching. It is all of those things. I must say, I haven't actually seen the uh, the remake, so I can't speak to that one myself. I thought, I just don't, I don't want to. No, I, I've seen trailers for it and decided not <laughs> to. So guys, that is the end 
of our our deep dive through the history of martial arts movies. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I've certainly enjoyed it. Um, it's given me a new appreciation of the genre as a whole, and I think the same for Sam. We are moving on the next time into a new genre, a new deep dive, um, and we have switched wildly into a different genre, and we are going to be looking at vampire movies. Um, and so we will be starting with the 1922 movie Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror. We know it isn't the very first vampire movie, um, but it's certainly the first that uh, broke through and certainly the first that we can get our hands on and uh, talk about and watch. So do check back in in uh, two weeks' time for our episode look at Nosferatu. Till then, you can find us both online at Pesci Podcast. You can find just me at life underscore academic. And you can find just me at Rob Kaiju. And we'll see you guys back here in two weeks' time.